Hello and welcome to another episode of Adam Analyzes. Hopefully everybody is doing good out there. Things have been going pretty good for me lately, so hopefully it's going good for you as well. So in this episode, I was trying to figure out something that I wanted to watch and something that was actually somewhat personal to me, if only because it got me into some... I guess you could say thought-provoking and different kinds of cinema. It was up there with Mulholland Drive and possibly like Eraserhead or something like that. However, this one here is not done by David Lynch. This here is director David Cronenberg's Videodrome. So there's kind of a lot to unpack as far as this film. So there is a ton of things going on with this movie, story-wise, themes, a whole bunch of different things, and I could probably talk about it for quite a while. However, I do want to keep this on the shorter end, so I'm only going to talk about some of the things that the film presents and also why you should probably check it out or if you decide it's not your thing of why you shouldn't check it out. But that's the thing about this. This is just an opinion, and this happens to be one of my favorite films. One of the first things I do want to talk about is James Wood's character of Max Wren. Max Wren is pretty much a scumbag of a human being. He enjoys the trashy side of things, which, hey, that's not always a bad thing, and if that's what gets you through, then by all means, go for it. However, He's just established as not being a great person throughout the movie. You do kind of root for him a little bit by the end of it, but he's still not a character that you're really rooting for in a natural way. He's just, it's just tough because of the way he's established at the beginning of the movie. He's not a natural character that we as cinema goers would normally root for. But before I get too far into that, I guess I should probably go ahead and discuss what the movie is actually about. Videodrome is a pirate video signal. James Wood's character of Max Wren discovers Videodrome as a pirate TV signal. It's descrambled, and it's something that shows, I guess you could call it some extreme S&M, more or less a snuff film here because the people are being tortured and murdered. Max Wren, being the type of character he is, cannot turn away from what he's seeing with Videodrome and wants to see more of it. As the movie goes on, he cannot tell what is real and what is fantasy anymore, and that's what makes the movie kind of fun, because he can't tell what is his hallucination. It's established in the movie that as you watch Videodrome, your first exposure is going to be a brain tumor. That's right, this video signal gives you a brain tumor. Also allows for people to control you, so there's an element of mind control throughout the whole thing. It's a very unique movie, and I think it's probably one of David Cronenberg's best. It's up there with The Fly. I like both for different reasons, so it's tough for me to actually pick a favorite here. However, I'm going to say that both of those are great and stands up with some of his strongest work, even things like Scanners and stuff like that. Scanners is another awesome film. Maybe I'll talk about that on a different episode. 
but let's get back to Videodrome. The movie presents a couple different fascinating and interesting ideas here. You have a televangelist who is actually on a TV, the character of Brian Oblivion, who leads his congregation, and everything is done through a TV. And here's a mild spoiler, so if you haven't seen it, I suggest going to watch it and then come back to the episode. I am going to have some mild spoilers here. It is a little impossible to not have them. The character of Brian Oblivion is later established to have being dead. However, he continues to live on. And that's where the movie gets very strange. And it has the idea of transcendence, where our bodies are essentially the old flesh and the new flesh would be in a digital form and you would continue to live on through the airwaves. It's a fascinating idea. Of course, it's kind of goofy in a way. However, it's pretty neat to think about for a movie. The movie is not too far off either as far as its themes of people being obsessed with the darker side of life. So the people such as Max Ren's character and being obsessed with the idea of torture and murder on this TV show and if it's real or not real, it kind of says a little bit about society in general. I'm not going to get too far into that topic. Uh, that would be a whole other beast. But uh, there are some definite themes as far as us as people and what we consume and what we view. And it's something that I think for being made in 1983, I really think that this movie is ahead of its time in the things that it presents and the fact that Universal was willing to take a gamble on David Cronenberg's crazy movie here. I mean, this movie is, it's so many different things and it goes off in so many different directions that it's tough to actually go and put it in any type of one genre of film. I guess it's a little bit of sci-fi, it's a little bit of horror, it's a little bit of drama, it's, it's a whole bunch of different things rolled into one. And it's just, it's a better movie for it. You can't really consume this film and watch it in just one viewing. It requires multiple viewings. And almost every single time that you watch it, it's going to give you a different outlook. Every time I see this movie, it gives me something different to think about. It's so multi-layered. It's a good discussion piece if you watch it with people. And it's just a well-made film in general. This here, I believe, would be Cronenberg's first mainstream-ish kind of film, I guess you could say. It's not really mainstream, but it is at the same time. I would say that it's more mainstream than Rabid or Shivers or even Scanners, even though I know Scanners is the one that made him catch notice amongst the movie-going public. I would say The Brood is another good one from him. So if you haven't seen any of those films, check them out. Um, it's interesting to see a filmmaker grow. And I think Videodrome is probably his most polished out of all of his early films. One other thing I do want to say about there is a little bit of a theme of pleasure and pain throughout the whole thing, which plays into the S&M stuff. 
Uh, it's a little bit of something that is in uh, the Clive Barker Hellraiser films as well as present in Clive Barker writings. However, uh, here it is definitely in the forefront. There's, again, a deeper discussion and topic uh, throughout. I'm not going to get into it too much here, and I just wanted to point it out. One last thing I do want to say about this movie, the special effects are fantastic. Rick Baker really did a great job here. Rick Baker, of course, did uh, some of the other special effects like in American Werewolf in London, and he also did the film Men in Black. Uh, Rick Baker really here, I think, is his greatest achievement next to an American Werewolf in London. A lot of the disgusting things that happen in this movie as well as the body mutilation or body transformation however you want to say it this does fit into the body body horror category of films but is not exactly a horror movie in itself and that's the thing about it this movie has a whole bunch of different genres thrown in one and that's one reason why i like it But going back to the special effects, the effects as far as the chest slit that somehow looks like a vagina on James Woods and uh, where he keeps his gun is pretty interesting stuff. It's kind of gross to look at, but it fits in with David Cronenberg's fascination with the human body in general. There is a lot of genitalia and sexual imagery here throughout the movie. And it fits as far as the overall themes thrown out with the movie itself. But everything presented by Rick Baker with his special effects, I can't say enough about it. It's fantastic looking. Some of the things, such as when the gun is coming out of the TV and you can see the the hand, it looks really, really cool and it still looks great to this day. It makes me wonder how they achieve some of the special effects here. I haven't looked it up, but I would love to know how they did it. If you do enjoy some gore in your movies, there is a stop motion animation scene as far as a body basically tearing itself out from uh, the inside. I'm not saying who it is because if you haven't seen it, again, I do not want to throw too many spoilers out here. One last thing that must be said is the fact that This is Debbie Harry's, uh, her first film. And for those who don't know, she is the singer of Blondie, and she actually does a great job here as Nikki Brand. So she's another standout performance here as far as just all-around good acting. You would never know that it is her first film, and she does a great job here. The last thing I'm going to point out here is the fact that almost every single main character or supporting character is introduced by a TV screen, which is actually a very cool idea. It's one of those things that you won't notice the first time you see it or unless somebody points it out to you on the first time. However, every single person seems to be introduced by a TV screen, which is just great planning on Cronenberg's uh, part. It's one of those things that when you see it, It just sticks out, and once you know about it, you can't unsee it. So that's another testament to how I think this is his most polished early effort as far as his films. 
But with that being said, I think I'm going to close out this episode. Just a reminder to check out our podcast in our honest opinion. Also, I do take requests as far as films. So if there's something you want me to tackle, uh, just let me know. Hit me up on Twitter or you can find me on Instagram as well at Adam underscore analyzes. And with that, good night and long live the new flesh.